0: guys, we're going to go ahead and get started. So good afternoon and welcome to Denton North Church. Um, I'm glad that you guys are here and it's fun getting to see your faces on Zoom this morning. And we started a little bit later today so that if any of you guys wanted to, you could tune in to Garland or to Wiley Church and participate in that and not have to miss out on um, Denton North as well. So I hope Mm -hmm. some of you got to take advantage of that we're going to be continuing on with our sermon series on emotions in the character of God. And this morning, our topic is emotional idolatry. And after I introduce it, I'm going to be interviewing Tabby and April. And both of these women were part of the group that started at Focus, our campus ministry here in Denton. April and her husband Grant attend the Arlington Church now. And of course, Tabby is here at Denton North with us. And I'm really thankful that they're joining us today, and I'm really excited for you to get to hear from them. I want to encourage you to keep working on memorizing Isaiah chapter 40. I know that when I had surgery, I got really behind on this, and so I'm going to encourage you. It's okay to be behind, but you can get caught up, so keep working on that. The text we're using today is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 18 through 20, But I'm going to back up and I'm going to read starting in verse 12, because I think it captures a lot of what we need um, to put this all together this morning. So Isaiah 40, verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and two, who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path to understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker and set up an idol that will not topple. And I think that the verse that uh, we're going to key in on this morning is verse 18. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? You know, it talks about in this verse that idols are made of metals such as gold and silver. They're made of stone. And for people that can't afford that, the idols are made of wood that will not rot. But God tells us that whether they're rich idols or poor idols, it doesn't matter. They just don't work for us. And there's really nothing that can compare to him. And we see that throughout that passage with him telling us um, that no one had to teach him, that he knew all these things from the beginning. We don't tend to make our idols um, out of stone or metals today because we don't have little idol statues for the most part, but we do indeed have idols. And so a couple of examples are just that wealthier people tend to idolize their investments, um, their status, their success in their jobs. And poorer people also seek success, but it's not always accessible to them. And so they tend more to idolize family and look to family um, as their support system. And as we've talked about over and over and over again in this series, there's nothing inherently wrong with these things. Like these things can be good. It's just do we see these things as things that God gave us for his purposes or do we see them as things to use just for our benefit? We find our security and our happiness in a lot of these things. And when we don't have them, we start to feel anxious and fearful and I think it's interesting that we're talking about that in this particular time when a lot of the things that we tend to cling to for happiness and security have been stripped away from us and actually stripped away from us very quickly. So I think that this is a good time to evaluate that. So I'm going to ask Tabby and April some questions and it'll allow them to give us some insight as to how God's character helps us to think about and avoid emotional idolatry. And if you have questions as we're going along, you can submit those through the chat button and we'll take some time at the end to answer some of those questions. So Tabia and April, how have you pursued happiness and security and been unsatisfied?
1: We are one. Let's answer together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll go first. So um, as I was thinking about this, can y'all hear me okay? Send a little message if you can't. So for me, it really has to do with relationships, um, and purpose. So I don't know, um, how much y'all talked about that, like in other sermons so far this semester, but, um, so yeah, I just have been like codependent in relationships in the past thinking that it's other people that have to work to fulfill me, um, you know, that could be in a romantic relationship. That could even be in friendship. Um, but ultimately, like, I'm putting the weight on other people to satisfy my needs and make me happy. So very self-centered um, approach to that. And then as far as, like, um, purpose or... Um, you know, wanting to matter. Like when I was a teacher, I really wanted to make a difference in the kids' lives. And I wanted to like feel like I was making a difference. And with little kids, they're not going to like tell you every day, like, great job, Miss Ashton, you know, like (laughs) you're doing great. So I just, um, I wanted even these kids, like when I was teaching to like really help me feel like I was doing something that mattered um, and that I was making a difference. So I definitely have idolized those things over the years and not, um, and not been satisfied. Um, I
2: have pursued, I'm not big on happiness, (laughs) like, um, but the security really hits home for me and I've pursued that through control and self-reliance. Um, and a lot of that is just trying to like essentially create a space where I feel, um, certain, and I know what's going on. And I think that's pretty common for most people. But mine will get to where I will only rely on me because other people, I don't feel like they can they can do it, or I don't want to burden other people with it. Um, but then that what ends up happening is I get overwhelmed. Um, I'm not let, trusting anything with God, um, and I'm definitely not trusting things with the people around me. And so that really limits my ability to be ministered to and um, limits the ability for other people to minister to me in my life. Um, And even for them to be ministered to. Um, And it's just, it just leaves me, I found it unsatisfactory because it leaves me overwhelmed. um, It leaves me exhausted and it leaves me ultimately alone. Um, It just kind of puts you into this dark space. And so That's been something I've been really grateful for within our community on the importance of relationship. I have friends like April and um, Melissa Kalini and like just people who are like, here's my life. (laughs) 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 And I am not that way. But having those friendships, I've um, I ultimately have to I not have to, but I've learned to do that to my best ability um, and have been stretched and grown in that. But it is pretty unsatisfying when you try and rely for me, my idol would essentially be me, like trying to be everything and every, and everything I need um, and ultimately not needing God or people. And that's not my goal at all. But that just is, I think feels safer because it's something I've relied on for so long um, and just built the habits to do that. So it's so easy to like, that it's still a struggle. Like I've known about this at my, I've known this about myself since college and I'm still constantly reminded by God that, like, you're not enough. I'm enough. Him saying he's enough. <laughs> um, so that's just definitely, it just leaves you, it can leave you in a pretty in a hard place.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing those. I know those are uh, really personal things to share, but it's super helpful for us to get to hear that. And the next question is what cultural practices are advice of pursuing happiness and security need to be acknowledged and dealt with?
1: Tabs, do we just want to like, I'll go and then you go or sure. what do you want to do? Okay. Um, so you had mentioned this earlier, Leslie, when it was kind of fuzzy, but like a lot of these things are, they're not bad things within themselves. Um. But they become about you like they become about uh, it's from a selfish point
0: of view. And they can see April. Uh I'm going to stop you for a second. I'm getting comments on here that people aren't hearing the question. So I'm going to repeat the question again. And then you guys let us know on here if it's an issue of you not being able to hear it. Okay. So the question is what cultural practices or advice of pursuing happiness and security need to be acknowledged and dealt with? Cool. Okay, go ahead, April. Sure.
1: So, yeah, um, I think like when you're a disciple or like you're trying to follow Jesus, like these things are tied so closely to what Jesus calls us to, but whenever it's about you, um, it becomes selfish and it's not about God. So they can seem like noble things to like serve people or, um, you know, really be like constantly giving to others or investing in relationships. But when it's, when the motive is, I want to feel loved, I want to feel needed, then that's not about God anymore. And that's not about what he's calling us to do. Um, You know, and I think that He gives us relationships to point us to Him, but when we're only looking at those relationships and being fulfilled by those, then we're missing the point of what God has gifted us. Um, And I think, like, culturally or, like, at least with our generation, um, you know, it's always about the next thing. Um, It's always about, like, you know, getting a new job or having something exciting, like, going on a trip or, like we're looking for these temporary, pretty quick fixes to satisfy us. And I think that's really tempting, especially for our generation. Um, Because if we're bored or dissatisfied, we just move on to something else. And I don't think that's always what God is calling us to do.
2: Yeah, I think um, I have the same point of anything that makes it about you. I think a lot of the times there are a lot of like, if you're on like Instagram or Pinterest or whatever, like wherever they're posting Little quotes, it's like, leave the toxic people out if someone around you is bringing negative energy, which all sounds like good wisdom, but ultimately it's about like whoever's not about you needs to leave your life. And that's, I wouldn't say that that's particularly wise. Um, And just being mindful of what that's saying, like, as disciples, you're going to have people in your life who are hard. Um, or who challenge you in a way that it's uncomfortable, and you may be the person who needs to tell them, like, you're pretty negative, and if you want people to be around, you need to deal with that, um, instead of just being, like, all toxic people out of my life. I think that's a pretty selfish, can be a pretty selfish view. I am deeply, deeply support boundaries, but I think being mindful of why we choose um, the things that we choose and, and why we have the mantras that we have, and we can be mindful of that. And I just feel like a lot of the things that we see out there are pretty selfish in that sense. Um, another one I had um, was the idea of like, you deserve to be happy um, or we that we deserve anything, um, I think is is a dangerous one. And that is a whole nother conversation, but just the idea of like really thinking about what does happy mean? Um, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And that is very true, but life doesn't mean that you're comfortable the entire time. Life doesn't mean that you never experience hard or or, um, painful things, Um, but it means that you get to experience it with God. And that's a, a, a really good life if we choose to do that. I think oftentimes we're just hoping that, and I especially feel that, I mean, you think of the prosperity, um, Gospel. that whole idea is that eventually you'll get yours, like the struggle will be over. And that is not what Jesus is, is selling us. It, I <laughs> that sounds really bad. But Jesus has come to give us a life that is with him, you know, and we buy into this idea of eventually I'll be happy. But if you keep that mindset, it just leaves you really confused and I think it'll leave you upset with God because you are completely understanding understanding something that's completely different from what he's telling you he's wanting to give you Um, it just becomes again it becomes this thing of like this is not what I wanted this is not um, what I was expecting instead of what was God wanting for me and for my life Um, and so it just leaves us uh, all those things I'm not going to keep repeating myself I'll stop there (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I think that goes back to what Brad talked about, about uh, last week about scarcity and abundance. Um, and I think it leads into the next question, because I think this next question is really key for um, what causes things to be an idol and to be a, something that sucks the, the life that Jesus has for us from us, and what causes things to be something that he's given us and a gift from him that he really uses to bring life to us. And so that question is: How does pursuing these things as gifts from God, rather than as in place of God, change their meaning for you?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, that just changes everything um, about how we view this. Because, like, these things aren't bit, like bad within themselves. Like we've already said, um, you know, to belong, to want to belong, or have purpose, or feel loved or included or seen or sought after like all of those things like in themselves aren't bad but when we see it as a gift from God it just totally removes you from the equation so it removes pride it removes ego like it's undeserved it's a gift from God and that really I think points us in like our hearts to really worship him and really see him as those things, loving, and he really wants that for us. And, and an example I wanted to share about, like, relationships and how, um, like, I've looked to, like, grant my husband um, to satisfy me or make me happy in an unhealthy way is, like, within our first, like, six months of being married probably... Um, I just, I didn't realize how much I bought into this idea, but I didn't feel like we were very close. Like, I'm like, why doesn't he feel like my best friend? Like, why don't we just have this like deep connection or whatever? Like we're married, like he's my husband. Like we should be close. I'm like, why isn't he like Tabby? Or like, why isn't he like these other friends (laughs) that I have in my life? And, and when I, you know, I was getting pretty upset about it and down, um, and with that comes like weird expectations, you know, like anytime our motives are kind of funky, we start expecting weird things from people. Um, I think the ultimate goal is to be close, like with Grant like, yeah, now like three years in, I would consider him like, you know, my best friend, but it wasn't going to be this like immediate thing. It's like, you know, I, I've been best friends with Tabby for like 10 years. So like, why would I expect after a couple of years to have this like, really close relationship with Grant just because we had been married for, you know, six months and it was putting a lot of pressure on him. And, and it's not bad to want to be close to your husband. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's this weird thing, but the motive was like, I had bought into like, this will be really easy. This will be really like deep, like we'll get to know each other really easily, but we're different people. And like with time, like a, a lot of that growth happens. And so, that was just one thing. Like when I view it as a gift from God, like Grant is a gift from God. And, um, you know, it's not something that I've deserved or I've earned like to be married to him, even to be close to him. Like when we think we deserve to be close to someone, again, it makes it about us. And instead of God, like providing something that maybe we need. So that was just one like pretty obvious example of a relationship that like, I felt like it should be a certain way and fulfill me a certain way, but it wasn't. And if I changed the way I saw it, that really helped our, our relationship. Yeah. I think um, what it, how it changes things
2: for me is just kind of realizing that these things are gifts and not entitlements. It's not kind of what April was saying. It's not something that I'm expected to have, but it's a real blessing when I do get them. Um, and I think that just, changes my perspective with my relationship with God and what my expectations are with, of Him and the people around me um, and gives me, a, I think, a more realistic perspective. I don't have a specific example for it, but it just, I think it switches the table around and instead of expecting the things that I would like that aren't necessarily what's best for me, I'm able to, to take able to take what God has given me um, truly as a gift.
0: Okay. And the next question is just a little bit different from that one, but how does pursuing happiness and security as a gift from God change how you think about people?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I kind of shared about this on the last one, but I I felt like while thinking about this this week, it just changes people from being like a utility in your life. Like it makes them human again. Um, And if we're really seeking to like obey and please God and like follow his commands, That's to really love one another, and I'm not loving someone when I'm using them. Like, I'm using them. When you want to be close or you want to feel a certain way in a friendship or a relationship, like, they're not a person. They're just someone that you use, and while I was journaling about this, I just felt like God was telling me, like, that's really gross. Like, that's just gross, and that's not what he calls us to do with his children and with his people, even with my husband, like... When I think of him as what can I get from him, that is gross. So that's my answer.
2: I'm on the other side of April. Um, I'm total like self reliant. Like (laughs) like I'm gonna have to be pushed to to share my life. Um, And that's one thing that's like that's had to be changed is that I really have had this view that people are not enough. Like they can't. They can't handle the things that are going on in my life. They don't have the experience. They don't have the the persp- perspective. You know, essentially, just saying like, God, you can't work through these people. Um, and so, something that's that's really been a blessing is is realizing like God works through flawed people, including me. And so him seeing him work through me, I'm like, okay, I have no place <laughs> to say that these other people can't can't offer anything or can't just simply be there. Um, and just kind of just realizing that thought people can show up and they can also meet needs you didn't realize you had. Um, and that's the problem with the whole idea of like trying to be controlling or self-reliant is you only allow what you have made room for and God has like so much more. And that's something I really benefited from in being in these relationships and being in these friendships is that. Again, I didn't know I had a talking issue. I didn't know that, like, I wasn't sharing my life. And then I lived with someone who was like, let me tell you all the details. <laughs> and, you know, that made me realize, like, I am i don't know that I'll ever get there. <laughs> but I realized, like, we are made to be in relationship, and that means being relational, and that means sharing your life. And so for me, um, having that perspective has really helped me appreciate people as a whole. I think before, I've always valued people, but I've never valued them as people, which again, the opposite from me, I've never valued them for what they can bring into my life in a good way. I've always thought of people as more burdensome than helpful. Um, and so that's been something that's kind of clicked and changed within my And it's constantly something I think I I have to be pretty intentional of of thinking that way because my go-to and my habits are built to just be like, I'll handle it myself or I'll figure it out on my own.
0: Yeah, I think that um, this question that God asks about who then will you compare to God is about the fact that he has so much more for us and that he wants to offer us so much more than the things that we put in his place And that if we'll just rearrange those a little bit, like we're not putting them in place of God, but we're seeing them as gifts from him that he wants to use, then it can really make a huge difference. I'm going to ask Tabby and um, April one last question. And while I do that, if you guys have any questions for them, if you'll go ahead and put those in, then we'll um, let them answer some of those. But the last question I wanted to have them answer is what are some good questions to ask ourselves to reveal emotional idols that we might have.
1: Yeah, this may seem weird, but just like, what are you continually disappointed by? I feel like, um, that was a question I had to like come to terms with cause I was continually disappointed by people and it was because I was elevating them and expecting too much from them. Um, uh, so that was one I thought of. And then also, um, In regards to, like, career and just, like, life path and, like, where you're at, like, do you daydream or think of an alternative, alternate reality, like, often? Like, are you just constantly, like, trying to live this other life in your head? I think that could reveal some idols in your life. Yeah, I just have, I mean, the basic, is this about
2: you? Like, you know, are you making it about you? Um like, what is my lens? What's my reasoning for what I'm doing, what I'm doing? Um, so much of my reasoning seems logical. And that's where it's really helpful to talk it out with other people, because in my head, I can make anything seem reasonable. And I can justify how I feel in that moment and justify staying in that in those emotions. And so um, really trying to break down is this about you? And I, th- and I think when you're just doing it yourself, it's going to be hard to determine that because, again, we'll self-reason and really convince ourselves that, like, no, I'm just and I'm right. Um, and then is this defining me? And I, in w- and, and that aspect, I know it sounds similar to the other ones, but I was thinking also just of, like, with anxiety, I think I can often say, like, well, I feel like this because I'm anxious or this is just who I am because I'm an anxious person. Um, I will... Instead of, instead of defining myself as, you know, someone who's loved by God as, you know, my, my parent's child or a good friend, like I will define myself oftentimes as as an anxious person. And so all of my processing goes through that, which obviously I know people can't help, but um, for the most part, but I think that becomes in a sense, my own idol um, because it becomes, what I filter everything through versus we know God's truth.
0: Okay. I'm not seeing any questions. Does anybody have a question? Okay. Here's one tabby. You mentioned boundaries. How do you determine healthy boundaries while still dying to yourself?
2: Um, I, so I have to really talk to other people about this because I will have extreme boundaries. (laughs) Um, I think it's really important to really consider the person you're trying to have boundaries with, um, what's necessary for them, um, and what's what you are able to do with within your limitations. Like, I think, for me, there are things that I can handle up to a certain point, and I'm not going to um, not be able to serve other people just from that one situation. But there are situations where it's like, well, this is overwhelming, and I can't handle it on my own. There needs to be more people involved in all of this. Um, so I really is situational. I think the dying to yourself idea can be dangerous specifically, I would say for our group, I think we all kind of, um, we, we pride ourselves in what the things that we're willing to do for other people. And then people get burnt out and you don't want to be someone who forgets why you're doing what you're doing. You don't want to forget that this is all about loving people and loving people. Well, um, so for me, determining that will, is depend, dependent on the people I'm obviously trying to minister to and also making sure that I have other people involved in that thought process, because I will think that I'm a lot more capable of something in a relationship than I really should be embarking on, um, where the people around me can tell me like, no, you need to involve other people in this because, and honestly, in most place, most situations, there should be more than one person in, in that. Um, but I... I think making sure those boundaries are for the other person and not just for you, but also having other people who are also looking out to make sure that you are not overloading your plate. That's not a short question, a short answer. So that's that's where I'm gonna stop.
0: Yeah, so if you want to talk to her further, Claudia, then you can contact Tabby and y'all can talk about that some more. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, you can. <laughs> yes, you absolutely can. I thought of something while she was saying that, and now I can't remember where it was. Maybe it'll come back to me.
2: Okay, yeah, whatever another- Leslie says, go by that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so we have a couple more. One is um, I also have a hard time sharing about myself. And um, Tabby, this is, is in relation to what you said about that. What happened What helped you in becoming better at sharing about yourself?
2: Honestly, my friends. Um, April (laughs) asked a thousand questions. (laughs) (laughs) And that was good. We also shared a room. So I couldn't leave. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Especially because she started asking me at midnight. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed now. (laughs) Um, So I think it's key to have people. I honestly, I tell people to ask me. I'm, I'm not naturally going to be like, here's what's going on. I really, it's It's a mental note. I'm like, are, Like I. we were doing this today. I didn't tell two of my friends and I'm pretty sure that they would want to know. I told them right before we started. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just not like, I don't, I just don't, that's not my natural inclination. So I really have to be purposeful and making myself do the uncomfortable thing. Um, and again, kind of thinking from their perspective, like, is this something they would want to know? um and then going from there and so one have people like tell people like if you want to know what's going on with me then you'll need to ask questions and being willing to to answer those questions and then um two I mean on your end you're just gonna have to like try to think from their perspective these people want to know what's going on with my within my life even if I don't think it's a big deal they'll want to know um so I hope that helps
0: Okay, and then this is for both of you. How do you deal with your emotions without getting too caught up in yourself? That's a hard question. Gosh,
1: I don't know. Sometimes, like, (laughs) if I'm trying to figure something out or if my emotions are real or true or, you know, you kind of go down this path of trying to filter your emotions, right? Or hopefully that's what we're trying to do and taking certain thoughts captive. But, like... (sighs) I don't know, sometimes I just have to stop thinking about myself. Like, I I just have to stop thinking. Like, I'll go in circles and I'll, you know, try to dissect something or some relationship or some situation. And I don't know, sometimes, like, I think we just have to stop. And um, one time when I was doing some counseling with Al Pickering, like, he had recommended, like, helping people who have, like, similar issues to me. So, like, going and spending time with them and like talking about how they're anxious and like teach them the scriptures I had learned to like overcome some of that. And I don't know if that totally relates to this question, but it just like continues to remove yourself. You know, if you get too deep in your own head, I feel like emotions are really tied to overthinking um, when they're not good. So that would be my answer kind of all over the place, but yeah. Yeah. I just get it out.
2: I, um, If I'm feeling a certain way, I literally am like, am I wrong to be feeling this way? Um, So I just get it out. And then if someone else, I also try to talk to people who are going to tell me straightforward. Not like I don't try to go to people who are going to be like, no, you have every right to be angry or upset. Um, Normally it's going to be people who are like, okay, so what happened? And then they actually want to know the details. And then when it's broken down, it's like, okay, well, it sounds like you were just offended or you were just hurt. And then I will address it from there. But just getting it out is key for me because I can go in my head for a very long time if I don't get it out.
0: Yeah, I think it's very helpful to go to people um, that you know are not going to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear and getting your emotions and getting out of yourself, dealing with that. Well, Tabby and April, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate your insight and your um, vulnerability and sharing with us. And I would just say, again, with anybody that you see us interview, you're welcome to have further conversations with them. And if you need help getting in touch with them, you can let me know and I'll help uh, put you in touch with them. Um, I have a couple of announcements before we end for today. The first one is about Spring HEDA. And so on our Facebook page, there's been a link posted to register for that. Spring heat is actually going to take place around the last weekend of April like it normally does, but it's all going to be done online. And so you can register without uh, buying anything right now, but you can also register and buy raffle tickets and buy dollar raffle tickets. And so if you would go ahead and do that, that would help them out a lot. And the second thing is they've put up a survey about the live auction and they need you guys to take that survey as soon as possible so that they can make some decisions. And it's been really difficult to transition that event in particular to an online event and they've done a great job thinking through it. Um, And so I would encourage you to do those things to help them with that. And then next week, I'm going to be preaching on emotions are here today and gone tomorrow. And it's also Easter next Sunday. And so I, for one, really miss getting to be with you guys in person, but also getting to take communion with you. And so if you want to have grape juice and bread next week, then we'll take communion together um, and you can just be ready for that. And I wanted to finish today just by giving you guys an encouragement and I know that uh, some of the things that are going on are pretty scary and unsettling and may produce some fear and anxiety. And so I just wanted to give you a reminder. There's a scripture in Habakkuk uh, chapter three that has long been one that has been really foundational for me, which I know is really weird, like whose foundational scripture comes from Habakkuk, um, but yet it does. And, and this is what it says. This is Habakkuk three seventeen through 19. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights." And I think one of the things that I appreciate so much about this scripture is that it reminds me that faith is not believing that bad things won't happen, but faith is believing that no matter what happens, God is working for my good and that he is in control and that I will be okay. And God is with us and he is our security. He is our happiness. He is our abundance. And he's giving us this community And we're going to share the resources that God has given us. And so if you're feeling anxious about not having a job right now, about how you're going to pay rent, about having food to eat, whatever the case may be, um, just know that as a community, we're going to share those resources. And while one of us might not have very many resources, all of us together have way more resources. And so we're going to help each other and we're going to get through this. If you need anything or if you know of anybody who needs something, whether that's financial help, whether it's emotional support, um, whether it's somebody to pray with them and for them, just whatever it is, please feel free to contact me or Brad or Don or Kurt, our elders, or any of our Chula leaders or our small group leaders. Um, Any of those people can help you with those things, and we would be happy to talk with you about that. And so I just wanted to encourage you in that way today. And let's just end with a prayer. And God, I just thank you so much for being a God that is so much better than anything we can manufacture on our own. And I thank you for being a God that cares about what's going on in our world and in our lives and for being a God that's able to do something about it. And so I just lift up um, people that are struggling with illness, people that are out of work, people that are wondering and fearful about what's going to happen next. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us your peace, that you would remind us that you're working for our good and that you're still in control, even if we don't understand what's going on. And I pray that we'll be um, diligent about looking out for each other, about telling each other the truth and reminding each other of the hope that we have in you. Um, we love you and we thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for joining us this morning. There are two last kind of common questions on the chat. Oh, sorry. Just like housekeeping things. One's about pizza, Theo, and one's about church next week. Okay. One of the questions is what time is church next week? And we will let you know about that. So watch for an email about that because I'm not totally sure yet. And what was the other one?
1: Pizza Theology.
0: And also Pizza Theology is today. Is it at 4 or 4.30? Does anybody know? 430. Okay. And so if any of you guys want to join in on that, you can do that. Did that answer all of them? Okay, good. All right. See you guys later. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week.